Welcome to TWW, The Weekly Wheel, where each week the Dharma Wheel rolls and delivers you new content available anywhere at any time in your everyday life. We present a mindfulness service, which has three components. First, meditation. And then we meditate with sound through chanting. You can have your mind wander when you sit in silence, but it's very difficult to wander as you chant. You need to focus on the next character, on your breathing, on the next line. And if you pat yourself on the back too much or become too self-aware, you'll miss a line. And then lastly, we have something called active listening, where we lean into and really listen to the Dharma talk given by our senseis. You could think of silent meditation and sound meditation through chanting as preparatory to get our minds focused and open and clear so we can really listen clearly and really take in the Dharma. And in a sense, it perfumes the mind. The mind is slowly changed as it hears new points of view, new perspectives, and new approaches to dealing with life. It's set up much like an in-person service. It's led, moderated by multiple voices. So you get a variety of opinions, a variety of, of perspectives as you go on your journey. So I hope you will join us now for this mindfulness service presented to you by the people at The Weekly Wheel and the Orange County Buddhist Church. Thank you so much. We will now have seated meditation. Take a moment to see that your back is straight and centered with your shoulders relaxed. If you're in a chair, it's best to sit forward slightly rather than leaning on the chair back and keep your feet flat on the floor. Try keeping your eyes half open, resting the gaze gently downward, without focusing on anything in particular. In the same way, be open to whatever sounds are coming into your ears, whether from inside the room or outdoors. We are not trying to isolate ourselves from the world around us, but rather feel that we're part of that world. If you like, you may count your breaths from one to ten. Inhale deeply, let it all out. Try slowing down your rate of breathing relative to what it would be at other times. We are not trying to think about anything in particular or visualize anything. We simply watch our thoughts come and go.
Please put your hands together in gasho. Bow. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Namandabutsu. 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 You may stretch your legs and then please stand. We will now have our standing meditation session. Your upper body is in the same position as for sitting meditation. Straight head and spine, shoulders back, eyes half open, hands comfortably positioned in front. Legs should be shoulder width apart with knees slightly bent. Again, rock forward and backward and side to side to find your center. Standing meditation reminds us to take our meditation practice out into the world, waiting in line at the store, being stuck in traffic, going through TSA security at the airport. Over time, meditation becomes a practice for the body and mind that can be recalled when needed most in situations that may be merely annoying, perhaps frustrating, or even stressful. We will begin at the sound of the bell.
Please put your hands together in gasho and bow. Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz. All right, this completes our standing meditation. Please return to your seats and we'll prepare for our second seated meditation. Again, uh, posture's the same. Uh, try to have a nice straight back, shoulders relaxed, um, eyes half open, half closed, uh, breathing down into your stomach using your diaphragm. Um, place your hands uh, in front of your lower abdomen and we will begin our second seated meditation at the sound of the bell.
please join me in God's show. Naman doubts, naman doubts, naman doubts, naman doubts, naman doubts. We will now have sutra chanting. A sutra is a sacred scripture from Buddhism. These originated long ago in India and in China. The text that we chant is actually Chinese, a translation from Sanskrit originals. Is it necessary to understand the meaning of what we're chanting? Of course, not at the outset. We don't know anything about it when we first begin. But I believe that we should aim to understand what the sutra is teaching us. We should have a basic awareness of its content. These are the teachings of our Shin Buddhist tradition, after all. For that reason, we provide in the Shin Buddhist service book some pages of explanation and some English translations. What we experience by chanting, I would say, has three aspects. The first aspect is meditative, like sitting or standing or breathing. Chanting forces us to focus our attention on the present moment, and it helps to calm our minds. Second, there is a ritual aspect. We are reenacting something that's taken place countless times over the centuries. We are connecting with the many followers of our Buddhist tradition, who have chanted these same words, and we are gaining a sense of oneness with the other people who are chanting at this time, perhaps listening to this podcast. Third, there is a learning aspect. This is to gain a little bit of knowledge of what the meaning of the characters that we chant are, and we do that separately, I would say, from actual chanting. We will now chant the Junidai found on page 49. Junidai, or Twelve Verses of Reverence, originated in the Mahayana tradition of India during the time of the Pure Land Master Nagarjuna, around 150 CE. The verses were later translated into the Chinese text that we chant today. Like the Larger Sutra and the Amida Sutra, the text of Junidai describes the spiritual qualities of Amida and the Pure Land using poetic language. Please read the translation of the Junidai found on page 51, which describes in detail what the 12 verses of reverence actually means. We will now chant the Junidai. Keshu Tenin Shoku Oh, you know, sin. 
Please put your hands together in gasho and bow. Namo Amida Buts, Namo Amida Buts, Namo Amida Buts, Namo Amida Buts, Namo Amida Buts. This is Jim Pollard. One hundred years ago, in the BCA, there was a minister named Gyodo Haguri. Haguri sensei had a keen appreciation for Shinran's Buddhism. His views were, in some ways, controversial with respect to Nishi Honganji doctrines. In the 1950s, Haguri Sensei wrote a book called Shin Shin no Kakume, or The Transformation of One's Entire Being. This book was subsequently translated into English and published in 1967 as The Awareness of Self, a guide to the understanding of Shin Buddhism. Dr. Tai Tetsu Unno provided a prologue and an epilogue. I would like to share with you Dr. Tai Unno's prologue to the awareness of self. Prologue to the awareness of self by Dr. Tai Unno. In the deepest heart of hearts, all people seek the still point of the turning world within themselves. This still point, this center within, may be called by various names, inner security, spiritual equilibrium, individuation, satori, or faith, but it is the timeless and primeval longing to become authentic, whole, and complete within oneself. In a sense, history is our stumbling quest for this inner fulfillment. Although our attempts have been hidden behind more dramatic events, harassed by calamities and holocausts, and obstructed by our own blind ignorance. And yet, the search goes on, and we unconsciously grope toward self-awareness. The daily activities in the morning of life, school and friends, club and church, hobbies and vacations, dances and outings, become enriching, unforgettable experiences, only as we awaken to the importance of self-awareness and give some thoughts to this ultimate task in life. When this concern with our essential need is neglected, our youthful pursuits become mere agitations of the heart and a source of endless frustrations. Once a group of 30 young men and women were enjoying a picnic, when suddenly they realized that one of the girls was missing. She had disappeared with the valuables, and the others immediately began a search for her. When they came upon the Buddha, seated in meditation under a nearby tree, they asked him if he had seen a young woman run this way with their belongings. The Buddha looked at the group and asked, O oh, young people, which is more important, to seek the woman or to seek the self? As we grow into full maturity in the afternoon of life, we become increasingly aware of the need for this center within ourselves 
because life becomes more complex in our responsibilities to family and society, in our emotional relationships with our loved ones, and in the doubts concerning the meaning of life. Lacking this center within, we fail to discharge our responsibilities, we commit blunders in expressions of affection, and we lose confidence as to the purpose of our existence. Dogen, a great thinker of 13th century Japan, summarized the Buddhist teachings in a single paragraph. To seek the way of the Buddha is to seek the self. To seek the self is to forget the self. To forget the self is to have things as they are prevail in you. To have things as they are prevail in you is to let go of self-centered attachments to your own body and mind. In the evening of life, this still point, this center within, glows to become the source of quiet serenity, inexpressible fulfillment, and deep gratitude to all existence. We grow old gracefully, as all living things do. We live each moment without regrets or bitterness, and we face illness and death with a certain measure of wisdom. But when this center is missing, life becomes like a broken record, repeating the song of empty hopes and unfulfilled dreams that have been the lament of unenlightened mankind down through the ages. In spite of countless persecutions, forced loneliness, and constant privation, Shinran, a contemporary of Dogen and the founder of Shin Buddhism, could write with deep gratitude for a full life of 90 years. The words of Shinran, When I ponder on the timeless concern of true compassion, I realize it is for myself Shinran alone. The teachings of the Buddha are guideposts for the young and old alike who seek the still point of the turning world within themselves. Gyodo Haguri's book describes a preliminary process whereby countless men and women in the past and present have eventually come to realize the way to that still point within. This book is written with the explicit purpose of stimulating self-awareness, for that is the point of departure for any discussion of Buddhism. But it should always be remembered that it is only by virtue of true compassion that authentic self-awareness is realized. If any stage of self-awareness is thought to be due to one's intelligence or cleverness or effort, it is not self-awareness but self-conceit. If you understand and live what is written in these pages, then you have taken the first step toward the Buddhist way of life. This book has been written out of our deep concern for the future of Buddhism. As Renyo, the eighth successor to Shinran, states, The vitality of a church is not determined by the largeness of the congregation, nor by the impressiveness of its external forms. The vitality of a church is determined by the addition of even one person of faith.
unquote, renyo. Such a person of faith is born from the ultimate concern with this unrepeatable life, that it may be meaningful, rich, and fulfilling. The words of Dr. Tai Tetsu Unno from his prologue to Gyodo Haguri's The Awareness of Self. The book is available as a Kindle ebook edition in the Amazon search bar type Haguri Awareness Kindle. Thank you very much for listening. This is Jim Pollard. Today's program was presented and produced by the Buddhist Education Center of Orange County Buddhist Church. This podcast is copyrighted 2022 by the Orange County Buddhist Church, Anaheim, California, all rights reserved.